The Decalogue, the Deca, through the eyes of Jesus, book of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. And when you get there, say amen. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we're going to go to verse 6. And if we could all stand in, in honor of God's word. The Bible says this. We'll start in verse 6. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children to the third and to the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to the thousands, to those who love me, to those who keep my commandments. Verse 11, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold any uh, one guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male uh, servant nor your female servant nor your oxen nor your donkey nor any of your cattle or your, the stranger who is within your gates that your male servant and that your female servant may rest as well as you do. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. How many of you remember when we were slaves in, in darkness? And the Lord your God brought you out, out of there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. That your days may be long and that you may, it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife uh, or desire your neighbor's house or his field or his male servants, his female servants, his oxen, his donkey or anything else that is your neighbor's. These are the words the Lord God spoke to the assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire and the cloud and thick, thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added, no more. Well, I'll go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. Lord, I thank you for this series of your laws that you've showed us here all th through these months. We give you all the honor for this, all the glory for this, Lord. And right now, Lord, I pray that you would anoint this simple sermon to touch hearts. If there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would leave this place Lord, surrender to you. I pray you would edify marriages and singles, young adults, elderly, no matter the age, that you'd bless those who are watching online. And I pray right now that your name would be honored and glorified. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Book of Luke chapter 18. We're going to be looking at um, three things today. We're going to be closing the series out. What did Jesus say about stealing, false testimony and coveting. In the book of Luke, we see all three of them in uh, chapter 18 and verse 18 in the story of the rich young ruler. We've seen throughout the series that 
The first four, they deal with our relationship to God. The last six deal with our relationship to those who are sitting next to, those who we work with, those who are part of our family. Now, in the book of Luke, chapter 18, in verse 18, the Bible says this. Now, a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but the one that is God you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. So Jesus said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know these are the commandments. The young man came up to Jesus and said, hey, uh, you know, good teacher, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And that's some of the things that, you know, a lot of us, I think that's, that's the probing question. What do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And for us today, we know it's found in Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He says to him, good teacher, Jesus says, why do you call me good? He says, there's only one that's good, and that is God. See, how many of us think we're good? You think, oh, man, I'm good. I wasn't at the bar last night. I wasn't at the club. I came to church today. I'm good. You know, I got everything in order. I'm good. But the reality is we're not good. We're all sinners, including myself. We're all sinners in need of Christ Jesus. So that's why Jesus said, why do you call me good? He's all, there's only one that is good. So if you think you're good, kind of like a, we have a, a, a maybe a attitude like a, a Pharisee, like, hey, I'm good. I'm good. I thank God I'm not like my cousin over there. I'm thank God I'm not, you're looking at the Instagram of your family. You're like, I thank God I'm not like my Thea right there. Oh, man, she's a bad Thea. I thank God I'm not like my boss. I thank God I'm not like my neighbor. I thank God I'm a good person. I pay my tithes. I fast once a month. I, I, and I'm going to do all these things. But the reality is we all are sinners in need of Christ. And you and I, we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I need you. And we can never get to that point where, you know what, I've been saved for two months and I'm good. I've been saved for 20 years and I'm good. And we're looking down on other people. No, that's not the attitude to have. You and I, we're all bad and we all need Jesus. And so the Bible says, do not steal. Jesus said, hey, do you know the commandments? Do not steal. Jesus took them to the mirror of the Ten Commandments. He took them to the mirror and said, hey, this is the mirror of God's word. And when we look at God's word, and that's why it's so important that we study God's word, because when we're in God's word, it shows us our imperfections. It shows us the areas in our life where we need help, where we need strength, where we need encouragement in our life. And Jesus said, start off with the first one, do not steal. The Eighth Commandment, do not steal. And how many of us know that is pretty much a, a commandment that's a no-brainer. Do not steal. You're like, Pastor, I haven't stole for many years. And maybe you're here today and you are stealing right now. Maybe you stole somebody's identity. Maybe you stole somebody's credit card. Maybe you stole all kinds of things. Let me tell you, stealing is a, is, it is a dead-end lifestyle. If you steal, you're going to get stolen from. And when you steal goods from somebody... It is, uh, you get wealth that just withers away. It just goes right through your hands. But bringing that application to kind of what Brother Richard said at Malachi, how many of you know we got thieves in here right now? I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. <laughs> will a man rob God? Lord, how have we robbed you? 
How have I robbed you, Lord? See, there's surveillance cameras from heaven. Oh, I'm striking a nerve right now, but I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. <laughs> Will a man rob God? See, some of you, you're not robbing your neighbors. You're not robbing your mom no more. You're robbing God now. And how do you do it? 10% of your income belongs to the Lord. I was uh, recently reading Chris Durso. He said something really good. I, he tweeted this. He goes, tithing is not generosity. It's obedience. Everything after the 10% is generosity. But up until that point, that's just obedience to God's word. When we give 10%, if we get $100 and we give 10%, and if we get $1,000 we give $100, that is just pure obedience to God's word. He says, well, Matt robbed me. You said you have robbed me of your tithes and your offerings. The Bible says you're under curse. He says, test me in this, that I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing. Not be enough room for you to receive that. I don't know about floodgates of heaven. Man, that is tremendous blessing. And you think, how are we starting that work over there in West Covina? Tithes and offerings. The Bible says that there may be meat in my house. There may be the substance in my house that... You know what, we're looking today at uh, the swamp coolers that we got. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Looking at, okay, we're sending out our first church. Thank you, Jesus. We got an online system. Praise the Lord. We got another swamp cooler coming this week for the back. So we could have three swamp coolers in here, just nice and cool in here. And how is it happening? I don't go to the stores and say, hey, I'm from a church. Can you give it to me free? I go to the stores and I pull out the church debit card and say, here, this is what came in. Can we buy this? Can we purchase this? That's how it happens. I'm striking a nerve. I'm striking a nerve. I'm striking a nerve, but you know what? It's okay. I, Because I practice what I preach. I tithe. I've been tithing since I was 16 years old. My dad... He, when he'd give me money, he would take out the tithe for me. Oh, Dad, you told me you were going to give me $300. Why did I got $270? Son, I paid your tithes for you. Oh, okay. So it didn't really hurt me because my dad started it for me. But has the devil lied to me? Yes. He does lie to me. Has the devil ever lied to you? Has he ever told you, hey, come on, man. That's, 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 the, that's, that's the law. That's, that's the law of Moses. Come on now. We're not under the law. You know, tithing super, superseded the law. It came back in Abraham's time. It, it came after an encounter with Melchizedek who was a type and shadow of Christ that you read about in the book of Hebrews. This man was a mysterious man. But one of the things that you see about Melchizedek is that when Ab Abram gave him the tithe, the 10%, that Abraham's life was always blessed with more than enough. So I'm speaking from scripture, now I'm speaking from my life. God has always blessed my life. Do I drive like this really fancy car? No. I'll never drive a really fancy car. But you know what? I have a car and it works. Thank you, Lord. Has God blessed me with the house? I have a roof over my head. Thank you, Jesus. 
Do I have a pool? Yes, I have a, I have a, a pool that, you know, I, it's, it's a small pool. You're, you know, some of you have seen it, uh, big enough to get baptized in. It's not, it's not like a built-in pool. It's, it's, it's just, a, you know, a pool. Hey, let's get wet. The pool's out in the back. Let's go. But I have all that I need. And some of you here, here today, you're wondering why your finances are just out of whack, and you're just like, man, why am I always broke? Go to this place in Scripture, and are you honest with God? Are you honest with God? It's not like I'm going to the tithing record and saying, did they give? Did they give? They, they, who's not giving? Make me a list of who's not giving so I can know who's not giving. I really don't know who's not giving. Because I don't want to have favorites. But God knows who's not giving. And God knows who is giving. But today, as people of God, let's be honest with the Lord. And let's, let's, give, let's give. That's a tither right there. <laughs> if some of you are mad at me, it's okay. Second thing I want to talk about, and this is where I was talking about ministry, is we shall not bear false witness. Jesus said, do not bear false witness. Now, in the Old Testament, if someone committed a heinous crime, the only way they can be prosecuted is by the testimony of two or three witnesses. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 19, verses 15 through 21, that if someone brought an accusation, they had to be able to prove it. But if they were doing it maliciously and it was a false accusation, the punishment that they were hoping to go on the other person came onto them. So what we see something today, church, is can we be real today? Can we be real? In, even in God, even in God, you're going to see people say things that are not true about you. Even people that you might admire even people that you may be like man I can't believe they're saying this about me and, and have you ever said man they're saying these are lies and what false witness did is it ruined somebody's reputation it assassinated their character and it also what it did was this is it put them in a place where they could have literally died because of the false witness now Jesus experienced this in the book of Mark chapter 14 the Bible says that when Jesus was before the Sanhedrin, before the Pharisees, um, they came to him with false testimony. The Bible says that they brought up false witnesses against Jesus. So Jesus knows what it is to be lied about. The Bible says this, for many bore false witness against him. Mark chapter 14 verse 56. Mark 14, verse 56, it says, For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. So if you're watching online and someone's been talking about you, somebody's been saying things about you, somebody has been spreading salacious rumors about you, have you ever been there, church, where you're serving God and you hear a lie about you? You're like, man, what in the world? I'm serving you, Jesus, and they're saying this about me? And what do we want to do? 
We want to start making phone calls. We want to start sending out emails. We want to have a group meeting and get down to the bottom of it and, hey, get everybody involved. Hey, man, they're throwing my name in the slime. Get every, we're going to have an intervention in the sanctuary tomorrow at 6 a.m. Hello, somebody. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's natural for us, right? We've all been there. How many of you want to go live on Facebook and say, oh, man, let me tell my side of the story. Let me tell my side of the story. Tonight at 8 p.m., I'm going live. I am going live. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go live. I'm not going to go live. Because if I go live, my wife will hang me alive. Thank God for your wife. How many of you see people just throw all their drama on Instagram, on Facebook, on social media? Like, really, can you take... What do you do when somebody's talking bad about you? What do you do when someone's talking bad about your church? What do you do when someone's talking bad about your parents or about your children or about your pastor or about somebody that you love and you hold dear? What do you do when someone wants to assassinate your character with the words that they say and with the, with the things that they bring out and with the emails they send out? What do you do? Turn to your neighbor and say, what do you do? You know the best thing to do in those times? When someone's bearing false witness against you, guess what it is? It's pray. 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 Some of you are like, man, I want to hire a hitman. <laughs> we can be honest. How many have ever wanted to hire a hitman? No, I'm just playing. You pray, and then what do you do after that? Let me say this. When you're praying, let it all to God. Tell him how you feel. Tell him what's going on. Tell him the thoughts are coming in your head. Tell him what you want to do. Say, God, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to say. God, this is what they're saying about me, Lord. And lay it before him. Lay it before him. And what do you do next? You say nothing. I'm giving you wisdom right now. Because if you're in ministry, there's going to be people that backstab you. I hate to say it, but it's true. There's going to be people that, if you're in any place, if you're in a job, there's going to be people that backstab you. Anywhere. There's going to be people that are shooting for your position. There's going to be people that are shooting for your head. And there's always going to be all these elements going on. I'm just keeping it real right now. Because we've all been there, right? And so what do you do? Okay, so you pray and then you say nothing. And why do I say say nothing? Because when you say nothing, you're letting him fight your battles. And when you let him fight your battles, see, a lot of us, we want to be our own vindicator when the Bible says that vengeance is his, not ours. So when you and I let him vindicate us, because time always vindicates. It may take one month. It may take three years, but time will tell. It will. Time will tell. And guess what? Another thing. God will vindicate. But not when you want. Not when we want. We want instantaneous. Like Pastor Daniel said at a conference, if we were God, a lot of people would be dead right now. Thank God we're not God. 
because we're alive today because of his grace. We're alive today because of his grace. So when someone talks bad about you, you know what? Pray for them. Pray for reconciliation. Pray for healing. I know it's hard to say, but let God fight your battles. The last one today is something uh, that you and I see in our lives is do not covet. The Bible says do not covet. Do not covet what? The Bible says in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, it uses two different words for coveting in Exodus and also in Deuteronomy. But what coveting means is to lust after something that you want it, that you want it bad, that you're lusting after it. And the Bible says, do not covet. It says your neighbor's wife. That can be transposed to your, your neighbor's husband, your neighbor's donkey, your neighbor's oxen, your neighbor's manservant, your neighbor's woman servant and all those thousands of years ago we can't really relate like I, I don't want someone else's donkey I don't want someone else's oxen how does that apply to me today you and I we can covet other things one of them I want to talk about is position we can look at people's position in our job in ministry, and you can say, man, I want that. I want that. I want that. And all of a sudden, instead of just working to be a good employee, you're lusting in your heart with an unholy ambition. And you're willing to do anything and everything to make that happen. Whether it's assassinating someone's character, whether it's putting other people down, you're living with a mentality that's a doggy dog world. Now, the Bible says that Jesus said these words to him. He said, and he said, all these things I have kept. The young man saying, Jesus, I've kept all these things since I was a young boy. Then Jesus heard these things, and he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was a very rich man. So he lived a life of covetousness. He lived a life where he wanted more and he wanted this thing and he wanted that thing. And I want you to think about that. The same thing applies to us today, this young man's heart. Our heart can be yearning for things that don't satisfy. Maybe it's possessions. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But when you see your neighbor with that nice car and you go, man, man, why does he have that car? Why can't I have that car? And you're willing to work overtime and, 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 and triple time and, and you don't even spend time with your family. You don't even spend time with your kids or your spouse. And you're willing to do all that and sacrifice all that for that because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. That is coveting. People's position. People. People. Possessions, coveting is something that hinders us from our destiny because the reality is this, is that you're, you and I, our appetite will never be satisfied. I don't care how big of a church you have, you'll never be satisfied. If you have 5,000 members, you go, I wish I had 10,000 members. 
If your bank account has $25,000, you go, I wish I had $30,000. Some of you are saying, I wish I was just not overdrawn right now. <laughs> but how many can relate? You said, man, I thought I was going to be happy when I got my income tax check. And you're like, it's all gone already, and where did I spend it at? Because when you're coveting things, those things never satisfy. How many of you have ever drove in a nice sports car? How many of you have ever been in a, in, in a beautiful situation where you have this, maybe you're, you're in uh, with, with some people who have a lot of money, but you're still not happy. Why? Because our appetite will never be satisfied. If you have 500 subscribers on your Instagram and you have 1,000, guess what? You're still going to want 12,000. Then you're going to want 20,000. Then you're going to want 30,000. Then you want a million. You're going to want... I want more and more and more and more and more. But you know what? God wants us to be satisfied in him. If we're not satisfied in him, we'll not be satisfied at all. Today, guess what? Young adult, elderly, child, teenager, you won't be satisfied in anything that this world has to offer. Anything this world has to offer. Hugh Hefner, the owner of Playboy magazine, they interviewed him. They, they said, Hugh, is there anything that you, you have everything, but is there anything else that you want? You have all the money. You have all the ladies. You have all the fame. Is there anything else that you want? And he said, I wish I could find true love. True love. And many of us here today, you're searching, you're looking. And the only way that you and I will be satisfied is not in having a big ministry. Not in having, you know, people just coming up to you and say, hey, can I, you know, man, you're so cool. Or, man, you're so awesome. It's for you singles, it's not in being married. A lot of you think, once I get married, I'm, I'm complete. No. We're only complete in Christ. Christ Jesus, he's the one who completes us. If these are my last words that I ever say as a preacher, guess what? The main thing of any, any sermon summed up with this, Jesus is all we need. He's all that we need. But what do you want? Some of us, we want this thing, we want that thing, we want this thing, we want that thing. But the reality is this, is that we look to scripture and we look to Jesus. This rich young man, he had everything, but he missed his opportunity for the main thing, him. The Bible says he went away sorrowful. He was very sad because he had great wealth. God was saying, I want you to give this up so you can know me. Today, what is God tugging at your heart about? What is he showing you? Is he saying, spend more time with me? Is he saying, be in my word more? Is he saying, I wanna, I wanna know you in an intimate way? Is he saying, you know what, you need to spend less time in those things, but spend more time with me in my presence? Today, as, a, as a believers, as Christians, these last 10 sermons, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments on how we are to love God, on how we are to love others. But the, Deca, the Decalogue today was written for you and I to what? To love God. The reason why you and I can walk in, in, in God's counsel and God's commandments is not because we're doing it by willpower and we're just kind of chugging through there and, and making it happen. But we're doing it, why? Because we love Jesus. Because we love him. Because he first loved us. As the worship team makes their way up here today, 
the Bible says that God has made a way. I want you all to say, God has made a way. See, the Ten Commandments, when they were written, the children of Israel, they could not keep them. They kept on breaking the commandments and breaking the commandments and subscribing to false idols. And, and the Bible, from, Genesis, from, from uh, Joshua all the way down to 1 Kings and 2 Kings, Jeremiah, the, the major prophets, the minor prophets, we see that God's people were in rebellion towards God. They couldn't keep the law. And the Bible says that there was a curse over their life. They were removed from Israel. They were removed from Jerusalem. They were in bondage in Babylon. The Bible says that this covenant that God made with them, they couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep this covenant that God had made with them. Now, the Bible says that there was not only one covenant, the first covenant of the Old Testament, the Torah, that we find in the first five books of the Bible. But the Bible talks about a new covenant, a better covenant it talks about in the book of Hebrews. And the better covenant, it came through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, when he came and he died on the cross for our sins, he bore the curse of every sin that we've ever done. As he hung on the tree, he was hanging there for you. And he was hanging there for Danny. And he's hanging there for your mom. He's hanging there for your dad. He was, he was, the curse of mankind was weighed on him. The wrath of God was weighed on him. And the Bible says that when Jesus came, that he died in our place, but then he resurrected. And you and I, we have that same resurrection power working inside of our life, that we can be victorious to walk in the ways of Yeshua, Yamashea, the ways of Jesus. Why? Because he says, no longer am I going to write the laws on stone, but now I'm going to write the laws on their hearts. So I want you to imagine today the laws of God on your heart, etched in there by the Holy Spirit. Then all of a sudden when you want to sin, the laws of God come to your heart and you begin to think about things, hey, I can't lie, hey, I can't steal, hey, I can't do this, because the laws of God are written down on your heart. What a great privilege that is today. We have the laws of God written on your heart. Put your hand on your heart right now. God's laws, if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior and repented of your sins, the laws of God are on your heart. You that are watching online right there in your house, I wanted you to put your hand over your heart. With your children, tell your kids to put their hands on their heart. You might say, Pastor Danny, this is some weird stuff. No, God's laws are on your heart. Are you ready to see how? Look at this, church. This, how many of us know that Jesus made everything better? Jesus made everything better. He made everything better. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16, it says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. So God's saying, I'm entering into a new covenant with you. The Bible says this, I will put my laws into their heart and into their mind. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. 
their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I thought some of us were going to be shouting right now for joy. Just going, Man, thank you, Jesus. I thought some of us were going to do a Holy Ghost shuffle and jump out of our chair and go, Man, I am forgiven. My sins are wiped away by the power of Jesus. He adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is no remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiness by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast. Everyone say, hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. Oh, thank you, Lord. You might say, oh, pastor, what happens? The Holy Spirit just comes and just starts downloading the laws into my heart. Is that what happens? Yeah, but you know what? We have to do our part to read the Bible, too. Because the Bible is a mirror. As you and I let God's word, the Bible says, meditate on my word in your heart. As you let God's word illuminate your heart, I believe that when we read the Bible, when we look at the laws of God, when we look at the Old Testament, the New Testament, the minor prophets, the major prophets, the poetry of the Bible, that God, that our heart is just what is just full of his word. That's why it's so important that we stay in God's word. Some of you right now, you're depressed. You're lonely, you're tired, you're tempted. Sir, when was the last time you were in the Bible? Excuse me, miss, when was the last time you were in the Bible? You can't come and read the Bible just when Pastor Danny preaches at church. No, you go home and we eat great food. Hallelujah. But when we go home, we need to open up the Bible and let his word just penetrate our hearts. Let it change our lives. Let it fill us. Let it heal us. This morning, let's all stand in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to God. And maybe you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor Danny, I want to accept the Lord as my Lord and Savior in my life. I want my sins forgiven. I want my sins forgiven. I, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I've lied. I've stole. I've I've done this, I've done that, and, and, and I know that without Christ in my life, that I'm not going to be with him when I die, that I'm going to be separated from God for eternity. The Bible says that there's a real heaven and that there's a real hell, and you and I, we're faced with a choice of whether we're going to serve God and be born again. The Bible says the only way we will inherit eternal life is by being born again for those who are watching online. By being born again, surrendering to God, trusting Jesus, turning from your sins and saying, God, I surrender my life to you. If there's anyone here today, you want to surrender your life to Jesus, just raise your hand up right where you're at. Raise your hand up. God loves you. God has a plan for you. Raise your hand up. God loves you. We want to, we want to see you come into God's family today. Raise your hand up. God loves you. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Let's give God glory. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. 
anyone else here in this place, you're running from God. You're on, a, you're on a fast track away from the Lord. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you heard about God as a young person. But you're here today and you want to accept the Lord. If you could just raise your hand up right where you're at. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Loving you, Lord. Praising you, God. For those that are watching online. Or maybe you're here in this place and you want to accept the Lord. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died and that you rose again on the third day. Forgive me, Lord, for all my trespasses and lawless deeds. From this day forward, my life is yours. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it, I wanted you to know that God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And today your name is written in heaven. If you've repented of your sin and turned to the Lord, your name is written in heaven. You could have that assurance. Now it's time to grow. We'd love to pray with you and talk with you. After our service there in our First Steps Lounge. Believer, Christian, changing the order of the service. These last two and a half months, have been crazy going through the Decalogue, but we all can relate. We've all lied. We've all stole things. We've all violated God's law in a way, but we see God's mercy through Jesus Christ. And today, maybe as you're hearing this message, or maybe throughout these weeks, God ministered to your life, and today you're going to want to seal that with God, saying, God, from this day forward, let your laws be written on my heart, God, through your Holy Spirit. Let me draw closer to you, Lord, in prayer. Lord, let me draw closer to you the remainder of my life, because we ain't getting any younger. We're getting closer to the end. Today the altar is open. We want to pray with you. Hallelujah.